Welcome to Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Joel. And I am absolutely Jay. <laughs> and we are always listening. Uh, thanks, everybody, for always listening to us. Uh, we try to bring you the freshest industry takes on the podcast industry and what's happening in and around our medium every week. We've got a combined uh what two decades of of podcast knowledge and about three decades of radio knowledge or, or four now between the two of us um jay pod vader soderberg joel sharpton here and um we got a lot of things to talk about today we were already fired up in the pre-recording so we're going to jump right into it no follow-up on last week's episode although uh we hope everybody has now caught up on Endgame. we hope everybody has caught up on uh game of thrones if that's your bag speaking of jay i don't know if you and i are going to talk about it today because we got a lot of real stuff to get to but josh mentioned josh shirley my former co-host uh, on this show he reached out to me said he had finished Game of Thrones had some things to say about it. He and I are going to record an episode about the the whole series of Game of Thrones. I don't know if oh, we'll I'm put jealous. it out on this feed or not, but we'll put that up online. We'll let everybody know where that is, so watch out for that coming soon, uh, particularly if you've missed Josh and, and his voice. Um, we may do a little postscript about it ourselves, Jay. We'll, we'll see how much time we've got. Why don't we get right into the first thing, though? Um, this is uh, from Pod News is where the topic came up, but then it evolved really into a discussion that you had on Facebook. Um, we're going to talk about absolutes in the podcast industry, but particularly how that relates to uh, emails. So Pod News put this out. Uh, I think it was on Monday, as a matter of fact. A company called Podcastier is sending emails to podcast owners claiming to be a big fan of your podcast and to offer to edit your podcast for half price. They're just scraping your RSS feed, and we'd recommend you avoid any company that lazily spams you in this way. I hate the idea of an absolute that this is spam. This isn't this is a legitimate company that offers editing to podcasters that has found a way to contact those podcasters in a way that scales for their business. This is what the tech companies love to do and I hate the word but I'm going to use it here in their defense. Scale. I hate that word. It's the worst word in the human language the way that it's being used to make businesses scale. But that's what it is. Your email is in your RSS feed so that people can contact you. So this is a legit business sending you an email. Is it poorly worded? Perhaps. I'm sure they're not a legitimate big fan of your podcast because they've sent this to probably every email that they've received by pulling the emails off of the RSS feed, but they do offer a legitimate service that podcasters are often asking about, how can I find someone who can do this for me? And their number one selling point for their service is we can save you time. Now I've looked into their, I looked, I went to their website and I looked at everything. Are they a little pricey? Probably. I can probably find an editor, specifically me, that can do it for a lot less money, specifically you. I'm pretty sure your prices are lower than what they're currently offering, Joel. That's not true, actually. No. Well, then. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. They, so I, I don't mind telling you, their website is very, very basic. If you go check them out, pod, uh, we're giving them a lot of press here, but uh, podcastier.com, uh, which is a, a good name, I guess. Um, their package seems to be 360 per month. Uh, now, 
they don't say how many episodes that includes. One would assume that it's a weekly uh, episode. Doesn't say how long the episodes are. One would assume it's got to be under an hour. Uh, you know, but but again, those are assumptions. Uh, but yeah, it's slightly below my package at that at that level. In any case, the point is they're a legitimate business offering a legitimate service, looking for legitimate customers to simply just disregard any email that comes to you unsolicited as spam is an absolute. One of the problems we have in our society today is dealing with these absolutes. No, I'm absolutely right. You're absolutely wrong. There's no middle area. There's no gray area. I can tell you right now, if there was somebody who sent you an email in broken English, I make you highest podcaster in rankings uh, for $5. If I get that email, that is spam, all right? That guy is not a legitimate business, doesn't offer a legitimate service, and isn't looking for legitimate customers. This person sent a poorly worded email looking to get a legitimate customer in a way that works the best. Like, how else is it? I, I, this was also in a Facebook group. Dave Jackson uh, sent out an email to the podcast editors Facebook group saying, Hey, as you know, this podcast had horrible audio. Have any of you ever, you know, redone the work on the podcast and sent it back to that podcaster and said, Hey, I can do this for you and make your show sound a lot better. Well, my guess is that would be unsolicited. And as some people responded, oftentimes you've now offended that particular cu potential customer. So if you do that, if you got an email from Dave Jackson saying, hey, here's your podcast. I made it sound better. Are you going to disregard that as spam? No, because Dave Jackson is beloved in this space. I'm tired of the lack of humility in the podcasting. You can tell I'm a little upset about this. I'm tired by the lack of humility in the podcasting space by people that are revered as legends in this space. Enough is enough. Stop. We went all out on Luminary for the way that they were so aggressive in the way that they were promoting their service. And because they didn't show any humility or any sort of research into the space, just because someone's been here for a long time doesn't give them the right to call out another person as a spammer just because they have a legitimate business that could help a legitimate podcaster. I'm going to take a breath and let you speak now, Joel, so I can calm myself down. I'm well, fired up. I've had a lot of middle-aged friends that have had strokes in the last couple of years, so I'm worried about your your heart health here in this moment. Uh, now, so look, here's the deal. How is this any, for me, this is my question. I Look, I don't love this. I don't love when I get unsolicited emails, generally. Uh, most More often than not, particularly if they are business-related, if it's a business contacting me cold with a pitch for their services, not only am I not going to reply, I'm probably going to mark it as spam. But occasionally an unsolicited email will bring me info. Here's an example. My listeners send me unsolicited email, right? Like on occasion, I get an email from a listener because I've got public email addresses that are out there. And I say, if you'd like to say something to me, let me, here's how you can contact us or whatever. Tell us what you think of the show. Technically that is unsolicited. Sometimes it's not even wanted. Sometimes it's not additive. 
But there's nothing wrong with being able to receive it. And occasionally I get something great out of it, whether it be good feedback or whether it be information about something wrong with my show or my websites, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Jay, I've been in sales at different times in my life. What is different about sending an unsolicited email than a cold call? Okay, so I was doing radio sales. And one of the things that we would do in radio sales is divide up the town. You'd say, here are the new businesses. Salesman A, you get this batch of new businesses. Salesman B, you get this batch of new businesses. Salesman C, you get this batch of new businesses. And each of you would go out to those businesses without invitation and speak to the manager or the owner or the proprietor and say, hi, have you thought about radio advertising? Can I tell you what we might could do to help grow your business? That was unsolicited. Many of them would tell us, thanks, no thanks, we're not interested. Some of them would be mad you had come. They would tell you, once upon a time I bought a radio ad and it was the worst decision I ever made. I am still losing money over that radio. You get out of here. Or, I love your competitor. I hate your station. Don't ever come in here again. Like, I've heard those things too. However, some of them would say, you know, I've never thought about how people get on the radio. I would love to have my business on the radio. How much? Surely I couldn't afford it though, right? And then what? It's only $18 a spot, $30 a spot, whatever it was at that time in that market for that station, you know? Like, so again, cold calling is a medium to build a business. It's a, it's a, an avenue to build a business. It's not the only one. It has pros. It has cons. Some businesses will choose to use it very much. Some businesses will choose to use it not at all. Me personally, I do almost zero cold calling now. I, I contact new potential clients effectively never. I have a website. I have an established presence in the industry. If you're someone that is searching for a podcast editor or an editing solution for your show, it is very likely that my name and my company's name is going to come up in the conversation if you ask anybody about it at all. I'm not going to reach out and try to sell you. If you want to reach out to me and ask what I have to offer, I'll be glad to have a discussion with you. But I just don't do cold calling. Jay, I don't do that in my religion, right? Like I am a man of faith. I'm not a proselytizer. I don't go door to door saying, have you heard about the kingdom of God? Uh, can I tell you about Jesus? That's not the way that it, my faith manifests. I don't think there's anything wrong with those that do in that way. When the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons come to my door, I might not want to have a lengthy conversation with them because I'm all filled up on what I got as far as the Jesus quotient goes. Dave Jackson says, my invisible sky man, I'm covered. Uh, I don't need a new one. But I don't have to be mean to the Mormons. I don't have to be angry with them for wanting to come knock on my door and see if I'm interested. I had to get up out of my out of my sofa and open the door and it took Hey, that, guess what? If you don't want that much to time out of my life. Uh. If you don't want to, don't. Stay on the couch and just guess what? After about two or three knocks, they'll stick a pamphlet there and leave, Jay. They will leave you alone. They're not gonna bar they're not gonna knock the door down. And neither is the emailer. Nobody is going to auto charge your card. Nobody is going to put your logo on their business site and say that you're one of their customers or clients. Like that's that's not what this is. It's cold calling. And I just I can't see the vitriol for it. I now I will say this. 
I also don't like it generally. When companies do it, more often than not, I'm not going to appreciate it and it's not going to be welcomed. But guess what, Jay? Every now and again, I I am flipping through the channels at, at midnight 30 and I see an infomercial and I have bought things from them. Just because I think it's a stupid way to sell your products doesn't mean that it doesn't occasionally work, even for me. My whole thing is just there aren't a lot of absolutes in life. Scott Johnson on the Facebook page throughout pedophiles who molest children should be in prison tell me the gray area which i snarkily replied you just compared pedophiles to a company that sent you an unsolicited email there's the gray area the point is is i'm specifically talking about stop coming at everything with a black and white blinders on and open your mind to to something that happened here's here's the real thing okay this is a company that I'm sure has got a small team that I'm sure doesn't have any sort of marketing budget to market. And if you go into the podcast movement community, you're not allowed to just be like, Hey, we're, we're a bunch of editors. We'll hear, we'll edit your podcast for you. All you need to do is come to our website. You're not allowed to do that. And what's ironic about it is somebody will go into the, into the podcast movement community Facebook group and say, Hey, I'm looking for some editors. <laughs> and then a whole bunch of editors will reply and saying, Hey, I do that. And I do that because quite frankly, I don't have the money to market my services to go and pay for the marketing. And then by the way, we as podcasters are all sitting here going, well, how do I grow my audience? I don't have any. Oh, here's a company that's found a way to grow their business through podcasting that doesn't cost them any money and now all the podcasters are against that because they got to pay money to grow their again open your minds people and understand that it's not all black it's not all white there is gray areas and yes scott pedophiles who molest children should be in prison frankly if you really want a gray area i think they should be dead so there's your gray area okay i just the point of the email that always gets lost because they focus in on the specifics is that I want people to open their minds. And even uh, there's a Bob here who responded because I threw in a yield sign means stop. As a professional driver, a yield just means the other person has the right of way. Well, you got to stop your car, right? If the other car's got the right of way, yield means stop. <laughs> Pure and simple. So hey, the point I, but- is... Open your minds. Well, let me. So let me let's broaden it out a little bit. Not just about cold calling or, or, or unsolicited emails, because I think the the question of absolutes is expandable to the podcasting as a whole. I don't think we actually ever covered this. We had it in our show notes for a long time. I was just trying to find it while you were talking, and I can't find the specific link. I think it was. Uh, I think it was Matthew Passy. Uh, had posted in one of the Facebook groups, who is another uh, fellow podcast editor, and he he runs his own business as well. Um, I believe it was him. It, it might have been uh, somebody else, but whoever it was, they had made a post about do your show, right, and not mm. don't stop worrying about what 
podcasting says we have to do. So if your show wants to be 26 minutes long, great, let it be 26 minutes. That's the average American commute. If your show wants to be four and a half hours like Joe Rogan, then let it be four and a half hours. If you want your show to have advertising, excellent, do so. If you want your show to have no advertising, excellent, find a way to make that happen. If you want to run it on your website, do so. If you want to run it just in the podcast apps, that's okay too if that's the way that your community wants to take it in. Do the show that is right for you. Listen to the advice of others if you are not happy with where you and your show are, right? If you are sitting there doing your show and you're like, I think we could do more. I wonder how other people do more. Then look for the advice. But if you're happy with what's going on in you and your podcasting life, then don't worry about the new thing that you hear in the Facebook group. Every, oh, everybody else is running to Pandora. I better worry about Pan. Not necessarily. Like, are you happy with what's going on in your show? In your community? Are things growing at a rate that you appreciate? Do you not want it to grow? Whatever. Like, what are your needs? What are your desires for the for the show that you're doing? Uh, what is your why and how? We talked about Pod Fund last week, which here's a I'll give a plug to Rob Walsh and the the feed. I just listened to he and Elsie discuss it too. I thought he laid it out pretty well. Elsie even put a finer point on it. Pod Fund is a cool idea for a subset of a subset of a subset mm. of podcasters. It's not applicable in many different ways for everyone. You, everyone wouldn't want it if they actually looked at the whole, like what it was going to take and what it was going to mean for you. So, and that goes for literally everything in the podcast space. It's not for everyone. So when you hear about a new technology, when you hear about a new format, when you hear about a new you know, idea for uh, advertising your show, when you hear about a new monetization scheme, if nothing's broke <laughs> at your house, then don't worry about fixing it, you right. know? Uh, and and if, if we all would do that, I think we would be a lot happier. I, Jay, you know, my example of this, very personal example of this, I used to be super active in responding to those Facebook groups. You, you mentioned you got into this sort of discussion debate with the fellow about um, the the unsolicited email. I used to get into that about with everybody about everything. I got into one this week, actually, uh, about um, uh, carrying advertising over to YouTube. And I, I think it's technically against the, the terms of service for some of the things that, that people carry back and forth. And I think people were getting some bad advice there. My business is set up and running, right? Like I have a website. I have a presence in this uh, medium. We have this show to continue to get my name out there. And so when people want me and my services, I think they find me. I think on a daily basis, um, going out there and and trolling and throwing my info out sort of unsolicited might not be the best use of my time or energy. And I think for most of us, (laughs) instead of arguing and debating with others on Facebook groups, if we just worked on our show, (laughs) we would all be a lot better off. See, I'm unemployed, Joel. So (laughs) I got plenty of extra time to go out and troll the Facebook groups. Um, I, I just ultimately... I hope the point was made without people getting bogged down in the specifics is I just want people in the podcasting space to approach things with more of an open mind. I even mentioned like you get an email like that, put on your big boy pants or your big girl pants and, and do a little bit of research and look and see if 
what's being offered to you is something legitimate or not. And if you still have questions, then ask that question in a group like that. And then if you still don't get the answers that you're looking for, then you probably just got your answer that it's not something that you're looking for. So, I mean, instead of labeling everything as spam, oh my God, I got an unsolicited email. You know what? I'm going to send an unsolicited email maybe to one of these guys that just says, hey, I loved listening to your podcast. And, and honestly, in James Cridlin, who wrote, who's the editor for Pod News, wrote specifically, if somebody was legitimately interested in my show, they could have written something with specifics about my show. And that's very true. However, personalization... Uh, from experience, is not a scalable thing that can happen. This small team doesn't have the time to listen to as many of the podcasters that they reached with that one email. Again, I said it was poorly worded. They could have worded it a lot differently. They could have left out the big fan of your podcast and just said, we're a company that provides X and Y services. And if you're a podcaster that's looking for those types of things, we can help you out. Here's our website. Well, with that, the, with that specific one, my guess is based on some of the language on their website and the the simple nature of their website as well. My guess is it's a one person team. I bet that's a solo mm. editor, uh, someone who has been in podcast. They they're somewhere on there. They talk about five years of podcast experience that they're bringing to the table in their book or something like that. That's not out yet, by the way. It's coming out February thirtieth, twenty nineteen. There's no February thirtieth, <coughs> uh, but. Um, <laughs> my guess is that that is probably a solo podcaster who's been doing this for a while, sees other people having success as editors and is trying to pivot and make that their business. There's nothing wrong with that. You got to get it off the ground in some way, right? Um, right. Scraping the RSS feeds and, and cold emailing a, a, a big batch of people. It's probably not the recommended way to do it. Right. And, and I, I and haven't I, done it, for instance. It will, be, it will be interesting to see if they have any success with it. But I, I bet you they don't have zero success. I bet, oh, I bet you I they have more they than have zero. zero so, uh, so let's let's move on to the next topic, Jay. That's enough of of that negativity. Uh, our friends at the podcast Business Journal um, had an article come out on the the twenty first here. Uh, heck, that's today. Uh, yes, podcast yes, downloads down drastically in April. Yeah, so uh, PodTrack does their, you know, their monthly release on downloads only for the shows, obviously, that PodTrack follows. One of the interesting points in this is that while total downloads for NPR specifically uh, were down, their unique monthly audience was up. Uh, and I know PodTrack is one of those companies that is yet to be IAB certified, and I believe they are going through the certification process. So... What the downloads down and monthly audience up means to me is that the certification process is currently happening at PodTrack as they fix their way that they count their uh, magical customers to the magical pizza shop. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And again, it would make sense with the sort of the blips that we've heard, the little rumblings we've heard across the industry. There are several companies that I think their customers are experiencing. Hey, I've seen maybe a dip in downloads. I've seen the weird stuff in the numbers. I think that it all has to do with the IAB certification basically at this point. I know Blueberry, by the way, I didn't add this in, has released, is releasing partial downloads to their hosting customers. And I just hope that people understand what those numbers actually represent. And I, 
quite honestly, Todd, I'm going to, I don't know if you've explained it well enough. And I don't even know if I could explain it well enough. I think that you're, it's going to lead to even more confusion about the total number of people listening to a podcast. I, I will say that the way that they have it displayed currently in their dashboard is very confusing if you haven't spent a great deal of time pouring over this. The other thing is that they are pitching it as currently, fr- it's like a preview of a feature as a right. as a beta that's free now. It will be a premium feature. It'll be an add-on feature that you'll have to pay for eventually. Um, so, yeah, again, because of the confusion over it, I think that's even worse since you're upselling people on it too, in my opinion. Well, their enterprise customers have had this information forever. Um, it's it's now something that they plan on offering to the rest of the people that host on their website. But yes, it will come at a premium because it's a little bit more difficult to extract that type of information on a per show basis to then present to them individually. So Jay, no matter how we count the pizza slices at the Magic Pizza Shop, no matter uh, which company we're using for that uh, accounting purpose, uh, we want to grow the overall number of slices that are going out the door. That's the primary thing that we're worried about. Um, Lower Street, uh, which is a um, media agency, they're uh, they're like an ad agency, am I right? I think so. Quite honestly, Uh, I don't know. And really, the main reason why I included this particular article in our show notes this week is because it is quite possibly the most extensive guide I have seen to all the things that you can do as a podcaster to grow your audience. It's well-written, well-researched, and quite honestly, I don't – it's unmatched in the podcasting space, uh, at least in one spot. I'll, I'll say that. I think you can find all of this information in multiple areas with a simple Google search, but Lower Street has managed to uh, take all the information literally any way that you can promote your podcast and put it in one uh, one guide that they've even made bookmarks for. That's how long and extensive it is. So I highly recommend people check it out because it is very good information and very good advice on how to actually grow your audience. So they are a, a full podcast production company uh, focused on brands, big brands and and uh, enterprise podcasting, basically. Uh, Harry Morton is the podcast strategist and producer for brands at Lower Street. Um Interesting. I had heard of the company before, but I didn't. I didn't have them filed properly in my head. Yeah, this is an amazing guide. We're not going to be able to go through much of it uh, individually, uh, unless you've got a couple of highlights, maybe that you want to pull out, Jay, because this is really gigantic. But the link is in our show notes. And honestly, if this is a question that you've asked yourself recently or ever in your podcasting journey. You need to do yourself a favor, bookmark this, and go through it slowly. Work through it over a couple of days, maybe even, uh, because there's going to be a lot of stuff in here that will be applicable to you, no matter what sort of size podcast you have. 
It literally, it, it breaks it down just by their table of contents. Your distribution, where should your podcast live? Where should it be distributed to? Where should people find your podcast? It goes over those distribution channels and how to get your podcast on those specific channels. Owned and organic channels, meaning your own website, what you should be doing with your own website, with your own owned media channels, and how to properly promote that. Partnerships. Uh, both with uh, companies, uh, hosting companies, marketing companies, but also other podcasters, networks. How do you go about doing that? It goes in depth, again, on how to start creating some of these things for your own podcast. Paid channels, how to do paid marketing properly on Facebook and on uh, on Twitter and some of the other social media. Uh, these are obvious channels that you can go through. PR and earned media, uh, another a way to promote your podcast and grow an audience, how to form relationships with PR firms, if that's even right for your podcast, that, those sorts of things. And then there's measurement, which they go in, in into detail as well. And we've talked about here as well. So, I mean, it's, it is so in depth. I would not recommend, I mean, you can sit down and read it all at once, but then you'll need to go back and reread some of the things that are going to be more pertinent to you. So perhaps you don't need to worry about distribution. You're on a Libsyn or a Blueberry or, or, or a Vox Nest. Your show is already distributed pretty much everywhere it needs to be. So you don't necessarily need to worry about the distribution uh, aspect of your show. But you want to start getting into some of the you know paid social media, you need to spend a little bit more time on that. So this is an extent, a very extensive, well-researched, well-written guide to all the different ways that you can help promote your show and grow your audience. Yeah, well, I hate to have pointed now to two different competitors over the course of this episode, but um, this is a great <laughs> resource, Jay. This is really, really, uh, this is really something. Uh, and they do seem to be working with larger companies than I tend to as well. I, I work with a lot of solo entrepreneurs and family-owned businesses, et cetera, et cetera. But like, wow, this is really, really impressive. Again, how to grow your podcast by Lower Street, and the link is in the show notes. It is, uh, it's impressive. Uh, let's move uh, to the next question, which is a tangential. Um, Jay, Google has now rolled out, and it's even showing up in Safari, I see now, for most podcasts in, in any way, if not everyone. And over the course of the next few weeks, this will be true for all podcasts, I think. Um, podcast episodes are showing up in results. Even if you're not searching specifically for a podcast, if you search for a topic or content or whatever, podcast episodes are being surfaced as options for people to click on and get that information. Um, one of the things that I had not specifically considered, but again, referencing Rob in the latest episode of the feed, he and Elsie discussed this, said, hey, it's time to think about the opening of your show again uh, in reference to this. Now, this is something that you have been preaching for ever. I remember the first <laughs> time I saw you speak at a conference, as a matter of fact, it was on podcast intros and yes. how to maximize them. Um, so this is this is something that has always been important, but particularly since in this context, we're talking about someone who may not even realize they are going to be getting a podcast when they click that play button. They have simply asked a question or searched for information. Google has said the best place to get that information is here in this play button or one of the best places. So they click on it. How do we try to capture that that search result in the best way? Well, 
it's funny you mentioned that because I'm looking at the folder right here that, that references that presentation I did way back at Podcast Movement about podcast intros. So uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, I forgot that I had done that. Thanks for reminding me, even though it was it's a sitting really there good staring, staring me right in the face. Um, here's the here's the thing. So much like your show art, we, we talked about this last week about being featured on, on Apple and how your show art is one of the first things that people are going to see. And your title is going to be one of the first things that they see. And the title of your episodes are going to be the first thing that they see. So this is really your first area of marketing to an audience that's never listened to your show. You're giving them that reason why they should be clicking play. So once they click play, if the first thing they hear is... You know, I like to save lots of money on my car insurance. Um, that may not be what that particular person, they go, what? I got an ad for Geico all of a sudden? Like, that may not be what people want to hear at the very beginning. They click play because they're looking for something. And the first thing they hear is a Geico ad. And unless they were searching to save, you know, 15% or more on car insurance. And by the way, this is not a paid ad, but it's so ingrained in my head at this point. It might as well be. That's not what they're looking for. So what do we do? And, and by the way, there are a lot of big time podcasters out there that the first thing they do is go, you know, I've been talking about this product for years and I'll still be talking about it tomorrow. They start their podcast with an ad. Nobody. And, and here's the thing. Even beyond the people that don't have never listened to your podcast before, the people that do listen to podcasts all the time and they pick up their phone or whatever listening device it is and they click play and they've listened to your show for years and you've been talking about that product for years. You know what the second button is that they hit? That fast forward button. Bam. Let's get past that live read or or that particular ad. We need to rethink this concept of the pre-roll because it is now literally the most important part of your podcast. It's always been the most important part of your podcast, but now it's even more important because we're going to be, hopefully, with the way that Google is working, reach a whole group of people that have never listened to podcasts. They don't know what a podcast is. We're hoping to grow the podcast audience. And now they got this thing that's being shoved to them from Google and they play and they hear an ad and they go, oh, podcasts are a bunch of ads. Okay, that's great. I get that on my radio. Yeah, that that's the difference. You know, it's like, Jay, if I'm listening to my radio dial and I flip over to the next station and I hear advertising, that doesn't blow my mind because the station that I was listening to before, I probably changed the channel because they had just gone to advertising, right? So it's not, it's it's not a um, it it doesn't break my mode. It doesn't take me out of the experience. The same thing with podcasting. If I'm used to podcasting, if I'm used to listening to podcasts, well, not every podcast has a pre-roll ad, but many of them do, as you say, especially if you listen to big shows. So you get sort of used to that. And if you start a new show and they they begin right off the top with advertising, maybe it annoys you. Maybe you go ahead and hit the skip button, but you're not you're not bewildered. You're not what what is, what is happening here? I must have done something wrong. Whereas if you are just searching for information. The one that popped into my head was what happens after Avengers Endgame? If I type that into the Google search results and one of Google's answers is episode 461 of the MCU podcast and the title of that podcast episode is what comes after Endgame and I click the play button there and instead of the guy saying 
we're going to tell you what we think happens after Endgame in this episode. You know, instead of explaining the episode, you hear the Geico ad. I go, what? And maybe I sit through a few seconds of it. Maybe I even wait until the show. But if after the Geico ad, then I have 30 seconds of music bed or a, mm-hmm. or a random intro where it's just describing to me what this show is. If I've never listened to podcasts before, if, I've, if I'm not used to that medium, if I don't understand what's happening here, you've lost me. And I've moved on to one of the blogs in the search results there that I can click on and just read the answer, what comes after Endgame. Whereas if your show starts with, in this episode of the MCU podcast, my compatriots and I are going to explain to you exactly what comes after Avengers Endgame based on all the rumors and all the info from the comics that we're aware of. Stay tuned because you're not going to want to miss this. And then you hit the little intro or you hit an advertise. MCU podcast is brought to you every week by Geico. And then you play a Geico ad. Like at that point, it makes sense. And you've told me what's coming. So if I want it, then I'll stick around, even if I don't know what podcasting is. But like that's the difference. If you're not familiar with the medium. And here's the thing. If if you are familiar with the medium and you do what you just described, you've probably put your listening device away. You put it back in your pocket. You put it on your dashboard, whatever, so that the, you don't even have the – you're like, oh, it's too hard. Just like that spam email to just delete it. It's too hard to hit that fast forward button now. I'm just going to live through this ad and then we're going to get right to the – right to the commentary section. I have definitely been preaching teases forever and shorter music beds. And this is from a guy when I worked back at Mike and Mike in the morning on ESPN radio, just name dropping like crazy today, Joel. It's making my skin crawl. But back when I worked in, I used to put together these awesome pieces. And I say awesome, like full recaps of the, of the game before mixed in with the lyrics of you know, a popular song of the day and they were fantastic. They were like a minute and a half long. And the, the my bosses would be like, that sounds great, Jay, make it 30 seconds. I'm like, what? I can't capture the story of the essence of what happened. Do, do you hear this? This is epic. This is phenomenal. This is art. Yeah, but we really got to get our hosts in there quicker. Our audience wants to hear our hosts. They don't want to hear, you know, they don't want to hear this. While it's a great piece of art, they just don't want to hear that. And quite honestly, your production piece probably sounds super awesome. I totally agree with you right now without even hearing it. Okay. Um, that's an absolute. I can't say that. But <laughs> I'm sure you think it sounds really awesome. And it probably does. But at the end of the day, people are downloading the podcast to hear you. And now they're searching for things and they're searching to hear what it is that you have to say about those things that they just searched for. They're not here to listen to the totally awesome, super sounding open, which by the way, if your audience has been listening to you and you've been doing this for quite some time, they probably are ready to hear a different super awesome uh, intro to your podcast. I always, I've always believed this. You got to go with a tease. You got to put whatever it is your show is doing right up in the front, do it within the first minute 30 seconds is even better and then hit them with that ad and you're still going to get the biggest amount of, you know, the reason why the pre the before portion of your podcast is so valuable to an advertiser because that's the only spot that you have a hundred percent listening, right? If somebody clicks play, they're listening hundred percent of your audience. We know from looking at the Apple stats and whatever that that graph starts at a high and then starts to slowly drop off 
as your podcast continues to go longer. So the only place that you have 100% listening to your podcast is at the very beginning. That's why people are putting ads in that spot because that is where they know 100% of your audience is listening to an ad. Now, if you still do that within the first minute of your podcast, it may not be 100%, but it's still 99, 98, maybe even 95% of your audience is still listening to your particular podcast. You're still maximizing that particular area. So it's time to reconsider the pre-roll because mid-roll, most people think mid-roll means it's right in the middle of your podcast. And mid-roll just means it's an ad that's somewhere within the content of your podcast from the time that you've put your play, that you've started your original content to the time that you've ended your content. So you could have three, four, five mid-rolls in a particular podcast. And a post-roll is obviously the ad at the end of the podcast, the dirtiest little secret in podcasting. No one ever listens to any of them until the companies stop paying us to have them in the podcast. You might as well take their money and put ads at the end of your podcast, even though we know nobody is actually listening to those particular ads. Uh, just to start rethinking the way that you're putting out content, remember you always want to be producing content that gives an audience that's never listened to your show. And there's an opportunity every single time you put out a new episode that there's an audience member who has not heard your show ever before. Continue to give them that reason to listen to your show and to continue listening to your show. And remember, if they've never listened to your show before, you want to give them a reason to subscribe to your show so that they come back automatically because that's obviously very easy. Again, we're talking about being easy not and, and lazy. If somebody subscribed to your show, they automatically get that next episode downloaded into their listening device. That's what you want. You want people to follow your show, whatever it is, whatever word it is that we need to use because subscribe apparently means that you got to pay for it. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm vitriolic today, Joel. I think it might be time to talk about some podcasts. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to get one more in here, one more article in here. Cause I'm a little vitriolic on this. The, the medium article, first of all, I hate that companies use medium.com for their blog posts. Why don't you just post it on your own website? Megaphone has a website. I know megaphone.fm why not blog.megaphone.fm? But okay, here we are on Medium, and Megaphone Pod is telling us what time should you publish your podcast? That's the question. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole article. I'm not going to give any of their information. I, I want you to read it. If you're interested in that, click the link and, and go through it. Here's what I will tell you, Jay. I think that almost all of this information is very similar to the article that we read not or, or that we discussed not too long ago about Apple Watch statistics. I think that this is corollary, uh, not causation. It's it's correlation, not causation. Uh, people, this this article seems to imply by releasing your podcast on certain days at certain times, you will be more successful, and by releasing it at certain days and certain times, you inherently will be less successful. That automatically deducts the idea that many, 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 many podcast listeners and many, many, many podcast apps are set to automatically download upon release. So it doesn't matter whether I release Always Listening on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or Monday night or at six in the morning or at noon or at two in the afternoon, whenever I release it, Every version that I have of Overcast on my iPad and my phone and everywhere else 
it'll download a copy of that episode, Jay. That's what happens. And it, it does it automatically. I get a notification, right? It goes, hey, you've got an always listening episode in your uh, Overcast app. I also get a notification from the podcasts app that tells me always listening. The new episode is here. Now on the podcasts app, I personally have it set up to not auto download because I don't listen there. I only go there to check it and I check my own shows. I check a bunch of my client shows as well, because that's one thing that we talk about on the show on a regular basis. You want to make sure that the experience for real listeners, normal listeners that are using the Apple podcasts app, you want to make sure that it's the same experience you're hoping it is. But my point is this, I don't, I just, I don't think it matters. I don't think this matters at all. The shows that I'm subscribed to show up, they show up whenever they're released and they're there waiting on me whenever I get to them. Now I have personal habits, some of which are influenced by when shows are released. So, Hey, on Monday mornings, I know it's very likely that I'm going to listen to the Weekly Planet podcast at some point. Those guys release late Sunday night. It'll be there waiting for me on Monday morning. And so I'm going to make that part of my Monday morning. But like if it's not there, if they release late, or if I get it on Sunday afternoon for some reason, and I happen to have Sunday afternoon free, I don't wait for Monday. I It's there in my podcast app. So if I'm free, I start listening to it on Sunday. And I think... I think everybody else does too. I, here's what I want to tell you as a podcast producer. When is the best day and time to publish your podcast? Whatever day and time you can be consistent about. I do yes. think it's helpful if you can help your audiences build habits that involve you. So make it part of their Monday morning routine. Make it part of their Wednesday afternoon commute. Make it part of their Sunday afternoon respite, whatever it is. But whatever day it works for you, Whatever time it works for you that you can make that part of your life on a regular basis, that's the answer, Jay. That's what's going to help grow your show. It doesn't matter that you're released in a glut of shows because Tuesday is the highest traffic day of the internet. Tuesday afternoon is the highest traffic day on the internet. That's true. Why is that true? It's because everybody's busy on Monday or sick on Monday because they had a long weekend, right? So like, excuse me, that I shouldn't say that. I'm going to have to edit that. Things happen on Monday. And then goof-offs happen on Tuesday, right? We play on Facebook. We download more podcasts. We stream more YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, even though that we're at the office. But I'm saying for you as a podcast producer, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what day and time you release it. Release it when you can. How are you the one to swear today and not me? I, well, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I don't know. That, that, one, that will, one got me mad for some I reason. Will, I, will just say, I will just say quickly that when I worked at ESPN, and it was a while ago, that I did see information about the activity on the internet. And the two days that are the least active on the internet are Saturday and Sunday. Like people just are not on the internet Saturday and Sunday. And the most active day on the internet is in fact Tuesday. So take that however you want but i agree i think it's all along with the how long is the perfect length of my podcast it's not it's not necessarily in it's not data that necessarily should inform you as to when you should release a podcast just because more people are on the internet on tuesday doesn't necessarily mean that's the day you should release your podcast it just means there happens to be more activity on the on the internet on a tuesday than any other day and if you're consistent like you said if you're consistent and you can create habits for your audience that happens to be every Sunday, then go for it. I don't think Sunday, I, I would still recommend not releasing on a Saturday or a Sunday, but perhaps on a Friday and 
perhaps even on a Monday. Well, and it depends on your topic too, right? So, okay, so if you're, right. we, we've talked about uh, timeliness. So, if you're a a a podcast about a TV show that premieres Friday nights or Saturday nights for some, I can't think of a high profile show that premieres on Friday or Saturday, but let's yeah, say there is one. <laughs> if it if it is, then maybe you do want to come out on Saturdays to to be right there so that people can can listen. Oh, okay. Agents of Shield comes out, I think, on Friday or Saturday now, doesn't it? I think that I think it's on ABC uh, Friday or Saturday night. See, if I was that doing an Agents a, of Shield, that means podcast, it's on its death crawl. <laughs> it, well, it so it's it got renewed for like the last two seasons, and that's going to be it. So it's sort of like a lame duck series in some ways, but. Uh, but it's been in that slot, I think, for a year or two already before. If I was re- releasing a show about that, I would want to be out the day after that show or or at most two days after that show. So maybe Saturday or Sunday, Monday at the la- Monday morning at the latest. You know, I don't know, uh, a baseball show. You know, the, isn't there like Friday night ba- or Friday night? Ba- there's Friday night basketball on, on uh, ESPN on a regular basis. Like if you're well, doing an NBA a show, animal. you know, yeah. maybe you have a like a Saturday morning catch up or something like that. So I can understand. And some reasons to to be in the weekend. Maybe you're a hiking show, or you're about the outdoors, or you're a you know you're a fishing show, or something like that. Releasing for the weekend so that people can listen to you while they're doing the activity. That makes a lot of sense too. Um, anyway, it goes back though, Jay, to those. There are no absolutes. You do there what's ain't. right for you and your show. Do what's right for you and your show and your audience, most especially. Let's there talk are about absolutely no absolutes. That's right. That's right. Let's talk about in in podcasting anyway. We don't want to get accused. There are lots of absolutes in the law and oh, morality. God. There aren't any absolutes in podcasting. What are you currently listening to, Jay? This is an absolute show that doesn't take itself absolutely seriously. Uh, it is called Adam Sandler. Please stop. Uh, <laughs> what's funny about this is obviously the the concept of the show was. Uh, to review and recap every Adam Sandler movie ever made. And that lasted for one season. They went through his entire filmography in one season, and then they're like, well, what do we do next? Well, then they went to Adam Sandler's buddies, uh, Rob Schneider, and uh, who was the the dude on King of Queen, uh, Kevin James? Uh, they did they did their filmographies, and now they're they've they've found ways to keep going on about you know why Adam Sandler should please stop doing what he's doing, and it's very funny, it's very irreverent, and uh, the man is a comedian himself who is the host of the podcast, and I believe he actually um, is it, it, not necessarily. He's obviously not going to say he's a fan of Adam Sandler, but he clearly. Uh, has some sort of respect for what Adam Sandler has done. And uh, they, they do all of this mostly tongue-in-cheek, but I think there's some, you know, there, there's some legitimacy to it as well. It's very funny. Highly recommend. Adam Sandler, please stop. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds very good. Season one was Adam Sandler. Season two, Kevin James. Rob Schneider was season three. Happy Madison, season four. Chris Farley, season five. SNL film, season six. And the Adam Sandler Film School season seven, uh, Adam Sandler, please stop. dot com. That is a that's very exciting. Yeah, I I think I'm gonna have to check out that myself. Um, my currently listening this week is uh, a buddy of ours, Jonathan Oaks, and Trivial Warfare. Except I know that guy. he has expanded, uh, and there's actually. I've been told, I think this is a tease still because it's not public yet, there's another one coming. But he's begun some spinoffs. He's branching out into an entire network of shows. The first one is called Trivial Warfare Blitz. Uh, Very, very cool sort of 
different take on the trivia idea. These are short, short games. The longest episode so far, I think, is like 16 minutes long. Uh, three players competing against each other. Rapid fire questions. So it's a very different feel than the Trivial Warfare game itself. Uh, it's called Blitz. And it is available in all your favorite podcast apps now. I've really begun to enjoy that, not least of which because, at least currently, I'm not editing that show, so I don't know the <laughs> answers before I listen to the show. I, that is one of the big downsides of Trivial Warfare is I have to play the game while I'm doing the raw audio, not listen to the final product. It's no good to me then. I know all the It's, it's like um, uh, Groundhog Day and playing Jeopardy in the lobby of the hotel. It doesn't work. There's a guy on Jeopardy everyone's going gaga over. I haven't watched a single episode of his run so it, right now. It just came back yesterday, actually, like after like a two-week hiatus. And I have I have I didn't watch yesterday's episode, but I've said I'm gonna dive in and at least watch this week and see if he continues his run. I've heard he's apparently very divisive in the Jeopardy community. He's kind of a, a jerk in some mm. ways, and a lot of people don't like him. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people don't like you anytime you have extreme success, right? And he's had an incredible long run apparently he's within a week or two weeks of passing ken jennings maybe is that yeah, what I he's so. shooting at I think at this that's point correct yeah so that would be a, an amazing achievement i mean I, I i didn't imagine that the ken jennings run would ever be topped um he's I, he's got a he's apparently got a whole system he's figured out a whole system as to how to bet he's he's won an extremely amount in jeopardy terms and an extraordinary amount of money on a per show basis um based on this system and he's done it all through it's all through statistics and research and he he can apparently bring this type of uh, research to the sports world which I'm obviously very curious to see what he's got planned there it's uh he's an extraordinary man just like Jonathan Oakes an extraordinary man who doesn't absolutely believe one thing or another in the podcasting world <laughs> oh I don't know about that uh congratulations you might be right uh let's see let's see how they do um there are our currently listenings this week folks we've got some great stuff for you coming next week stay tuned you can find us always uh at alwayslistingpod.com you can find us in all your favorite uh, podcast apps as well you can find me on twitter at the rogues life and online at propodcastingservices.com jay where can they follow you at the real Pod Vader on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Podvader page. Uh, and of course, uh, I'm gonna, you know, go and find all your emails and send you uh, a link to this show to talk <laughs> about the absolutes and podcasting. It'll be unsolicited, so I apologize in advance. But uh just know I'm a big fan of being absolutely wrong. Oh my goodness. All right. Until next week, we've been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm still absolutely Jay. <laughs> and we are always listening. Absolutely. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. 
Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rabel. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.